today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. This is an interesting day in Toronto courtrooms, too. Uh, this is the trial of Alex Manassian uh, begins. This is after a little more than two years now, after the deadly van attack in Toronto. You remember that? He's on trial right now, and it's, uh, it, well, to suggest it's complicated, I guess, is a master understatement here. Dave Woodard from Global News is uh, covering the trial. He joins us on the Bill Kelly Show uh, to give us an update on this. Dave, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us today. Good morning, Bill. Uh, it, it, reliving this is, is got to be a horror show for an awful lot of people, and, of course, the families of some of the victims of this whole situation. What's, uh, what's the scene? What's the, 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 the tone as, as you see it? Well, I think this is for the families. It's a it's a first opportunity to kind of address Alec Manassian himself. Um, now, obviously, with a court case going on um, in a pandemic, you can't exactly be in a courtroom. So uh, being able to see the uh, the accused as well as the family, it's all going to be done over Zoom, which is a different experience altogether. Uh, but I know a lot of the families have spoken to media saying, uh, they, in the last two and a half years, they haven't had a chance to kind of show Alec Manassi and the kind of damage that he did, and, and this is an opportunity to do that. This is a bizarre situation. I mean, there was, and I guess part of the evidence that's going to be presented at trial, Dave, is going to be the uh, the interview that uh, he had with police after he was apprehended, and it was uh, almost surreal, wasn't it? It really was. I think a lot of people, you know, when you first hear about this kind of thing, uh, you don't think it's going to end up with a four-hour police interview that ends up in a confession and still go to trial. Uh, I think that this four-hour video, if you've seen any of it or heard any of it, Alec Manassian talks about uh, how he he admitted to being a murderer, that he actually wanted to, to hurt more people, uh, that he was doing this to inspire an incel uprising. Incel, of course, uh, being you know an online community that that really tries to uh, give a voice to people who who uh, are misogynists who believe that um, uh, they should be able to have romantic or sexual relationships with anybody. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot to this tape that's going to come out that has already come out. Um, that makes this case very interesting from the get-go. And, and that's going to be one of the key arguments here. Uh, and I, I think the judge has already kind of laid the groundwork for this, doesn't he, Dave? He basically said state of mind is what's going to determine what's going to happen here. Absolutely. And there's you know, a good chance that Manassian's lawyers will start up with a, um, a not criminally responsible because of a mental disorder defense. Now, they haven't laid out what that mental disorder is or how they're going to use it. Um, but that's really kind of what is going to be kind of the crux of it. I spoke to a criminal lawyer yesterday um, talking about, you know, how do you use this defense? How does this kind of work? Uh, and he said that it really has to do with the state of mind at the time of the crime. So not four hours later when he was giving this this interview um, to Toronto police, but what was going through his mind at the time? Did he have a break from reality? Was there something that was going through his head at the time? Uh, so that's the thing that will have to be proven by the defense lawyers here. I think the other interesting part um, is, is that, you know, we often think when there's a murder case and the defense 
puts together a uh, not criminally responsible defense, everyone thinks, oh, well, that's because he can't compl- can't defend what he is doing. But there's actual, um, you know, qualifications to get this kind of a defense. And a good defense lawyer uh, won't put together an NCR defense if they don't have the evidence for that. There is uh, in the, the stuff that we have seen so far some indication that he is uh, well he's on the spectrum he's on the autism spectrum we know that much but uh, i don't think dave unless i've missed something here that we've seen very much of the way of diagnosis about his his psychotic or psychosis or any of the other things that that may contribute to something like what you just described there hasn't been any of that yet and i i would imagine that over the first few days of this trial that's going to become very obvious the Crown's going to lay out, you know, basically the the facts of the case, and we'll we'll probably hear a more detailed, um, agreed statement of facts uh, today specifically. Uh, but then the defense is really going to talk about, you know, behavior at the time. You know, they're going to be talking about, um, you know, evidence from uh, forensic psychologists or forensic psychiatrists rather. Um, that are going to give them uh, some kind of idea as to the state of mind of Alec Manassian at the time. And that's when I think that, you know, from a completely objective perspective, that's when this court case is going to get interesting. I, I know we're going to talk with our good friend uh, Joe Newenberger in a couple of minutes here, a criminal trial lawyer who's watching this, as, as all of us are, I guess, Dave. But it, it seems to me, it, just from the, the information that has been gathered so far, that has been released to the public, uh, since he went into great detail about uh, what was going on, of course, uh, uh, you know, with his, his well, as you say, the incel aspect of this, and uh, the Chads apparently are the alpha males, and the Stacys are the women who have sex with alpha males, and he's already he admitted to the police that he says his 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 idea, his intent, seemed to be to to kill all the Chads, in other words, all the alpha males, so that the women would have to have sex with people like him. It's a twisted logic, I understand that, but it seems as if that seems to be the thrust of, of what he was doing that day. Yeah, and I think that was one of those things that you know, I, I guess part of the irony of it all is the vast majority of people that um, you know were killed during this were women. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I, I I think that will come into play as well. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Joe Newberger will be able to speak to that probably better than I will. Uh, but I think the, the interesting part of that is that he he was trying to he said this as much. Um, that he wanted to inspire an incel uprising and, you know, hopefully have more people kind of join his cause um, through this. And we already know that there have been, you know, cases of incel uprisings, um, you know, throughout North America over the last, you know, decade or so um, that have had, you know, some impact, obviously, on Alec Manassian, uh, but others as well. And, and, and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays into all of this, if it plays into it at all. Um, but uh, in terms of a legal perspective. Uh, so it's going to be interesting in, in that way. So, as you say, the defense will, will respond after the, after the Crown presents their case and brings all the information, a lot of which is self-evident, of course. I mean, I, I, we saw the video, I mean, at least portions of it anyway, uh, the day that this happened, and I saw the, the, the terrible carnage that was caused as a result of this. But uh, that, that's the physical evidence that they're going to present. Is the Crown also going to have some, an opportunity to, uh, to get a look at, at the mental state of, of Manassian at the time and have people that can give professional diagnoses? Yeah, I would imagine so. I don't think that the Crown would allow for any kind of uh, uh, defense, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist to look at uh, Manassian without having their own specialists uh, look at that as well to 
um, refute that uh, testimony or that evidence. So I think that's really where this kind of case will land um, is between uh, the facts of the case um, and the uh, and the evidence that's brought forward by the defense, as well as some of the the psychologists and psychiatrists that that uh, testify. There's don't no disputing the facts, though. I, I'm getting the sense that uh, the defense here is going to be, uh, you know, not criminally responsible. In, in other words, yeah, they, what happened happened. I don't think anybody's denying that, are they? No, and that's the that's the thing is there will be at some point either today or tomorrow there's going to be an agreed statement of facts that will be introduced, and, and so I don't think that the defense is going to spend a lot of time, you know, trying to refute what happened that day. They're not going to say, you know, he didn't, you know, run off of the the main street, Young Street in North York, um, and go onto the sidewalk and 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 drive over you know, more than two dozen people. Um, they're not going to suggest any of that, those kinds of things. Um, but where their case lies, again, is going to be in that, you know, what was his mental state at the time. You've been covering a lot of these things over the years, Dave. My understanding is this trial, notwithstanding the fact that it seems as if a lot of the facts are already before them, uh, is going to take at least four weeks. Is that surprising? I don't think it's too surprising in the sense that, you know, there were a lot of reasons why this was delayed in the first place. Um, you'll remember that we were actually talking about this trial going forward back in February. Um, but the reason why it didn't then is because there was some trouble getting access to uh, mental health records of Alec Manassi. And so it was delayed until April. And of course, the pandemic hit, and that's why we're doing it now. But I, I think that there's going to be a lot to do with uh, not just uh, the the state of Alec Manassian's mental health at the time, but kind of you know setting uh, a uh, I guess a, a timeline of his mental health issues going back some time. That's what I would imagine looking at at why we were delayed so long in the first place. Uh, but again, that's yet to be seen. And, and it's going to be you know our set of uh, doctors versus their set of doctors so there's there's, there's going to be a lot of uh, well you know who are you going to believe in a situation like this absolutely and i think that's you know one of those um things when you've got an agreed statement of facts and when the the accused is already admitted to doing what he did um you really have to make a case uh based around uh what you think is the strongest thing and, and in this case they think the strongest uh, defense is, you know, mental health. And so that's where they're, you're going to see um, the, the back and forth between the lawyers um, and, you know, psychologists and psychiatrists as well. And I would imagine some other experts that are going to be called into this as well. It's, uh, it's as we mentioned at the top of our conversation, it's going to be hell for the family members uh, who, are, as you say, they can't be in the courtroom simply because of what's going on with the pandemic. Uh, but you know, they'll, they'll be watching, obviously, and uh, and reliving this thor. Is it, it's 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 problematic, I know, and I, I feel badly for these people that are involved in this. But uh, I, I suppose the experts, and you're going to hear from some of them, I guess, through the course of the trial, Dave, will tell you that it's it's important in the healing process uh, to go through this and get some closure on this. And it should be noted too. A lot of times, when you're talking about some of the victims, they'll show up, you know, the first day of the court case, and then show up, you know, uh, when they're set to testify. Or when, you know, the, at the end of the trial, they won't um, subject themselves to the entirety of it because they know 
how tough it can be. Others will be there every minute of every bit of um, court. They will be there um, because of the fact, like you said, they need that for, you know, some kind of closure. But it, it's not necessarily that they're going to be there the entire time. Uh, there's, uh, I guess, because it's over Zoom, it will be interesting in the sense that you're not going to be able to um, really hear audible gasps. You're not going to be able to, um, I mean, you'll be able to see if they decide to put on their camera um, the uh, issues that they may have with some of the testimony. Um, but it's a very different setup. And I don't know if that's going to affect how they respond to some of that testimony in the first place. Um, you know, being in person is very different than seeing something on Zoom. We've all figured that out by now over the last seven, eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in court, whether or not it's going to be different just because it's over Zoom as opposed to in person, we'll have to see. Uh, David, uh, thanks so much for this. Uh, look forward to reporting on this, and I'm sure we'll touch base again as this uh, trial develops over the next few days. Seth, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Bill. Take care. Dave Woodard, of course, reporter for Global News Radio AM640 in Toronto, our uh, global station in Toronto, and, of course, uh, we'll be following this trial. I want to bring Joe Newberger into the conversation. Joe, of course, is a criminal lawyer with Newberger and Partners, LLP. Uh, Joe, a very complicated trial, and, and the, the plea here is not criminally responsible. Uh, are you, are you su- first of all, surprised by that? No, it, it would seem to me that that would be the only possible route of a defense for this gentleman, given what happened. How do you prove that as, as, a, as a defense lawyer? Is, is, a, is that a, a, a monumental task to try to prove that? Because obviously the Crowns are going to come back and say, yeah, he was. Yeah, it's a, good, it's a very good question. It is difficult. It has to be proved on a balance of probability. So first, the defense has to establish that there was a mental disorder that was operative at the time of the offending. So he had to have been suffering from some type of uh, mental illness whether it's schizophrenia, uh, psychosis, or delusional disorder. and It may be something in line of a delusional disorder. So you have to establish that, and you'll have to call expert evidence of a forensic uh, for a psychiatrist, maybe even a psychologist, to establish the diagnosis. The next, then, is you have to establish that the uh, psychosis or illness was operative at the time of offending. And so you have to link up the illness that it impaired the person's ability to such a degree that they did not appreciate the nature and consequences of their acts or that they did not know that it was morally wrong in Canadian society. And so that's a two-step process, which is uh, a very difficult task to do, especially because this defense has to overcome that four-hour interview um, that Mr. Manassian provided, which I think gives fairly good insight into his mental state. And I just want to say this as well for the listeners. A person can still suffer from a major mental illness, such as schizophrenia or delusional disorder, and yet still appreciate the nature of their acts and or that it was wrong in Canada. And that's going to be an interesting point. I mean, I, I, as a layperson, I'm just looking at the information that has been presented to us, uh, Joe. And, you know, he, he rented a van. He talked in great detail in that interview you just referenced it, uh, about his incel involvement and how, it, you know, he wanted to kill alpha males so that, you know, he, he might be able to have sexual intercourse. I mean, bizarre, twisted stuff. But it sounds like there was intent there in planning. But on the other hand, I guess the other argument is, well, that might have been the week before, but the minute it was happening, what was his mental state? 
Yeah, it's it's really what's happening proximate to to the offending. So uh, what's relevant is some time before, at the time, and then shortly thereafter. And so this interview is extremely helpful. And you you're right. You raise certain interesting points because when you listen to his evidence, it's clear that he was radicalized by information on social media. All that will form a basis of evidence in this trial. But uh, you know, even if he had an illness that made him susceptible to internalizing. Uh, this information on the internet, and therefore that came part of a delusion that he had. It still is very hard to establish in this case, given the uh, fairly extensive planning, the way the act was carried out, and his words afterward that clearly indicate, in my opinion, that he had a, a good understanding of what he was doing was wrong. What what I have not heard more is that somehow that this was done in furtherance of some uh, other type of demand hallucination or or some assertion that he had to do this in order to protect the life of himself or other men, and therefore the delusion was almost in a command nature that he was acting in a way to protect because of, because of the psychosis. So we haven't heard that, and of course I don't think we've heard the full four hours anyways, no. but it's still a fairly challenging defense in my opinion. Well, it uh, begins today, and as I say, it's going to take at least a month, and we'll see. Joe, it's always great to get your perspective. Thanks so much for joining My us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Okay. Joe Newberger, of course, criminal lawyer, uh, having a look at what's going to happen with the, uh, well, the van attack trial. Let's call it Alex Manassian. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.